This is Jan Cox, talk number 2,548, recorded July 7th, 2000. It was as though alien forces overcame me and got in my hands and made me type this that I'm about to read. Although not distinguished as such by its common dalliers, there are two aspects extant regarding the desire for a more stable consciousness. The verbal, oft times poetic, mysterious, glamorous, exciting, thinking and talking about it, and the prosaic, right now, hands-on effort it takes to achieve it. There is no condemnation of the, this is no condemnation of the former, but its distinction must be recognized for the latter to be realized. As with all forms of entertainment in the human realm, there are always more fans on the sidelines enjoying the game vicariously than there are actual players on the field. And the game of awakening is no exception. My view is, Enjoy yourself. Enjoy the game. But periodically, lay down your program, cease your cheering and booing, clear your head and be fully aware once again of precisely why you sought out this event in the first place. There is no benefit whatsoever in not enjoying life, but to see for yourself what is actually going on, you must have a constant awareness of the distinction between what is essential and what is merely entertaining. The illness of meaningless mental selection has two parts. One is your approval and disapproval of how your mind perceives things to be. And the other is in your accepting or rejecting how other people say that they perceive things to be. To be or not to be is not the question. The real question is, when are you going to get over it? <laughs> A quite ancient description of the enlightened state of mind was thus, quote, A mind craving of nothing, which I could translate as referring to a mind not locked in the meaningless struggle between mental likes and dislikes, approvals and disapprovals, craving nothing. A man with a mind constantly engaged in a senseless cheering and booing is a man who will never get to the bottom of things and understand the game. A strange visitor to a monastery was invited to address the monks and had these words. What you people call being asleep, I think of as simply a synonym for introspection. And the head of the order instantly stood and retorted, but surely you do not mean that literally. To which the visitor reacted, all right, uh, useless introspection. And the elder smiled and said, ah, that's better. And being but a transient guest, the speaker decided not to point out aloud that all introspection is useless regarding the aim his audience had in mind. 
Some years later, the visiting speaker noted to his own son that all confusion and delusion results from introspection and that the course an alert man should pursue is not one of either introspection or extrospection, but the way of nonspection, emptiness, which actually could be termed unispection in the sense of symbolizing that one's perception is universal and that one's consciousness does not make the erroneous distinction between the in here of itself and the out there of everything else. The very illusion supported by so-called introspection. I got perverse enjoyment today when the Spirit made me write that of imagining some decent well-bred, would-be mystic hearing that and trying to make sense out of it. Part of the common sport in man's strictly human realm is in people disagreeing about how things are in the world and in being non-physical and thus beyond the grasp of objective measurements, this is prime territory for debate and disagreement. That is the human realm. A man awake is actually a pretty simple thing. It is a man who is not stuck to his mind, which is always stuck to agreeing and disagreeing as to how things are in the world of man. But as a man who casually looks first, but but an awake man is one who casu who casually looks past all of this and just sees things as they are. And he knows that if you comment on how things are, they are no longer how they are, but are now something else. They are now part of a dream your mind is having. Question, how unalert does a man have to be to argue with his own mind over the propriety and credibility of a dream? Although... There may be no objective shame in being of ordinary mind. There perhaps should be. First thing every morning, as soon as all the family was gathered around the breakfast table, one father would cry out, What is colder than yesterday's toast? Less nourishing than overcooked food? Emptier than a love affair that has run its course? Now the kids would shout back in glee, Words that previously awakened me. I happen to know for a fact that this same father plans to one day present a new question to his brood. When the time is right, he is going to ask them why no one seems to realize that the activity required to calm the mind is the same kind of activity that you're trying to stop when you decided to try to calm the mind. Ask yourself, what would be the ultimately insightful man's view of the matter? Is he trying to actually put the mind at rest or trying to learn how to peacefully live with a mind that is never at rest? In the game of enlightenment versus illusion, if you take sides, you lose. The restlessness of the mind is much taken up with its comments regarding what is 
what it approves of and disapproves of in the realm of strictly human affairs. To be enlightened and to see things as they are, all you need do is cease approving or disapproving of the meaningless affairs in the strictly human air arena. Being asleep, deluded, captive, and stupid is bad enough. But to be so concerning matters that are totally irrelevant, well, one man poured oil, one man poured oil in his wind-up pocket watch to make time run faster. Anyone who dismisses this as foolishness simply reveals their ignorance of how the mind runs. A boy slipped deftly alongside his dad and said, It strikes me that it's not even necessary to stop thoughts. All that's needed is to stop thoughts of approval and disapproval of the lives men lead. His father struck a pose of reflection, rubbing his chin, rolling his eyes about, then finally said, Okay, but add one thing. Turn away from your disapproving of your mind's approval and disapproval of other men and the lives they lead. As told in a long-forgotten myth, there was once a good universe in whose evil twin we reside, and it made clear to all of its transient inner components this fact when your ability to think becomes activated, the world in which you find yourself is as it is. And as you age and become either smarter or dumber, things remain as they are. And then, in the very circumstances surrounding your final breath, things are still as they are, regardless of what you go out thinking. Why not turn loose of the illusion now? Now at a time that will do you some good. Long ago someone said, A man who knows what is going on is left with nothing to do. And yet there is nothing in his life that is not done. Which I would translate as an early attempt to take note of the question concerning whether man has some control over his life. The mind seems to have many and varied questions, but there is one that it never poses ingenuously. The search for the truth is unnecessary. What you do is abandon the absurd. Your own self-condemnation is dependent on your mind's own continual entanglement with approving of or rejecting other people's action in the human arena. The rock-hard reality behind the idea of condemn your neighbor, condemn yourself, is understood by but a few. The problem is not with other people's lives. The problem is not even with your opinion of their lives. The only solvable problem is in you not understanding the nature, the natural game of the mind. To what lower level must a man's intelligence fall for him to believe that it is meaningfully reprehensible to favor hockey over rugby or God over Allah or my delusions over yours. To be right is not the goal. 
to get over it is. Come over here with me for a moment. Cock your head a little sideways. And take a look at a certain matter from another angle. There is no and cannot be any distinction between a man's normal self and his circumstances. His self is his circumstances. In that a man has no fixed permanent self in his mind, his seems to be whatever present circumstances cause it to be. Sincere observation will readily show this to be true. And after that, how can any man still feel a distinction between himself and the rest of life? Struggling to live in the moment is not the only way to go about it. You can also just turn loose the illusion that you are someplace else. Just because your mind thinks that it is. And another boy asked his father, Is it fair to say that an enlightened mind is one that has no preference as to how things are out in life regarding other people? And his larger version replied, You left out one part, that an enlightened mind also has no preference regarding whether it is enlightened or not. The lad didn't bother to say that he couldn't yet grasp the full significance of this statement, inasmuch as if he could, he wouldn't have asked a question concerning an enlightened mind to begin with. And now, some beach music news. Only those who imagine they're drowning believe that they're drowning. Oh, all right. Due to one lifeguard's long face, I'll repackage it for you. No one is asleep unless they think that they're asleep, and no one can awaken without first thinking that they're asleep. It is to awaken from a dream that was not even a dream to begin with, but was rather a dream of a dream. For you people on tape, I'm trying to stare them down. Sometimes you can do that and pick out the right kind of person, someone who perhaps is not feeling well, looks a little sickly, just look around the herd, and if you stare them, then very often they'll take a look on their face and kind of nod like, oh, yeah, now I get it. Of course, they don't, but it makes me feel somewhat better. Besides, I had no idea I was such an idiot. <laughs> a peripatetic practitioner of root medicine, not the application of medicine made of roots, but rather the treatment solely of roots, one day stopped in a village populated entirely of men struggling for the enlightened state of mind and at their request, address them on the matter. His words were thus. Most of the time, men's minds have nothing of significance with which to occupy themselves. Thus, most of the time, men's minds are occupied with things of no significance. Easy observation of the human race shows that having your mind occupied mostly by matters of no significance does a man no harm. My question is, what gives are you people? And don't bother, I'll show myself out of town. And finally, rumored to be the greatest of all approaches to that special goal was one that went by the title of Case Dismissed. <clears throat> to keep you people in Tapeville 
up to date. My staring is having very little effect here in person. I think I have wandered into Madame Trousseau's. Well, I can't resist picking on the one that I was hoping would cause a rebellion. But it should. That was a guy who was asked to address this monastery. A strange, passing stranger. And he said, what you people here call being asleep, I simply think of as being introspection. And that to condense up all my story, he then went on to say that all confusion, all forms of delusion are caused by introspection. And if you recall, the head of the monastery jumped up in outrage or disbelief at this statement and challenged the visitor that you surely don't actually mean that. And so he modified it by including a modifier. He said, oh, all right, I equate sleep, all forms of delusion, captivity. I equate it with useless introspection. And the wise old elder of the monastery went, ah, well, now that's better. And the speaker, realizing his position and the transiency of his presence there, decided not to point out what he knew to be true. Which is, of course, that all introspection is useless. I had great faith in that. Maybe some of the people out there in tape land a few weeks from now will become outraged, maybe pop a metaphysical blood vessel and maybe wake up a little over this one. Because it can't be true, can it? But it is true. And I'm especially delighted with the word introspection. It sounds so intelligent. It sounds so in line. If I was been listening to me all these years, I would think, well, it sounds so in line with my mental approach or my verbal approach or my approach. That a man cannot awaken unless he has a full continual consciousness of his own consciousness, a continual awareness of his own awareness, that there's only one thing fit to study, and that's the mind. If you're studying anything else, if you're studying the words of Buddha, the words of me, a book, if you're if you're studying anything other than the mind, you're on the wrong track. So, how can it be true that a synonym, or, as I said, the guy finally put it worse, it's not just a synonym for sleep, and from his view, he said that all forms of sleep, all forms of confusion, delusion, captivity, is caused by one thing, introspection. It can't be, can it? I mean, even the great thinkers of the world throughout history, the whole notion permeating Western and Eastern philosophy is the fact of a man of examining not just the life he leads physically, but to carry it to another level is for a man to be continually engaged in introspection 
questioning his own motives, trying to keep well, analyzing what's going on in him. Uh, at the end, I noted, or had someone note, that what the real trick, what was really needed, was not either introspection or, <clears throat> not thought I was going to have to make up a word, because I don't think I've ever heard it in my life, but just on an off chance, since the prefix and the word is so common, I opened a dictionary, and sure as hell there is a word, extrospection. So it saved me from making an ass out of myself in front of any literate people by me saying I had to make up the word extrospection. And somebody go, look in the dictionary, you dummy. But there is such a word. And it means just what it sounds like, just the opposite of introspection. But at any rate, I finally concluded that little news item by saying that what was needed was neither one. That what was needed was really a form of non-spection. Well, let's go back to the introspection. Uh, what carried me away and that I got something of use for when I first looked at it this way was how obscenely insulting it was when it came to me that the cause of all confusion is introspection. Again, it was one of those alien spirits. This time it overcame my brain instead of my hands and made me think that. And so I thought it before I could stop it. And as soon as I thought it, I realized it was true. But also, just as quickly, I was greatly disturbed, damn near insulted, that I would have such a thought. That's not true. That I would have such a thought and it be correct. So then, I had to untangle it. No, I didn't. I don't even want to untangle it for you. I don't even want to try. Does anybody get it? that I can still quite truthfully say without any doubt that you can't get anywhere unless you engage in a, a relentless, sincere, hard-nosed, but mainly a relentless introspection that if you're going to live as the majority of the six billion people on the planet do, that is with their attention being held by external events. That they are engaged, not actively, not willfully, but they are engaged in extrospection. That they are examining what goes on outside themselves. What other people are doing, what other people are wearing, what other people are saying, how other people are treating them. What delusions and foolishness other people are engaged in. I mean, I assume that it can't be a secret that that is the norm of routine people. That for someone to appear to be otherwise uh, normally will draw attention to themselves. So it is quite valid for me or anyone else who understands anything about this to say that all initial forms, attempts to be mindful, attempts to remember yourself, attempts to even continually recollect the, one of the thousand and one names of God or some chant. All of that amounts to one thing, a form, an attempt to engage in a relentless introspection. There's no doubt that that is a valid description. And there's no doubt that that would be a 
the most worthwhile or one of the verbal ways to present the most worthwhile and promising attempt to undertake this kind of activity. You might be a little more specific, say, examine what goes on in your own mind. That sounds a little bit more like me, but it's still introspection. It fits every definition that you can find. That's what it is. And yet, can anybody get it? I assume that you either will, if not right tonight, if you actually want to try to think about it again, that introspection, that the cause of all confusion, the cause of sleep itself, is introspection. I assume, just my guess, that it'll have to hit you the same way it hit me, is just instantly, the reality of it. God, I'm disappointed. I thought, sure, some of you would really be upset or look more confused. Because I shouldn't be upset. That brings me back to always one of two possibilities. You didn't understand what I said or you understood it quite well and you thought, well, shit, I knew that. And it just shows how far behind I am. In case it's really not, if you want another version, one I've already used, it comes back to this, which I have always assumed is not very helpful unless you already understand it, and that is that the cause of sleep past a certain point is the struggle to awaken. And if it was me and I heard that and didn't understand it, all it would do is piss me off, which I've admitted to you, which is why I hate to use that same version of it over and over. So I was trying to gentrify it a bit and point out that introspection is the source of all confusion. If a man did not engage in introspection, I'm not talking about us. I'm not limiting it to people attempting to awaken. If no human engaged in introspection on a constant, if that was not part of his constant mental repertoire, part of the workings of the brain, then there would be no term for being asleep, being deluded, being captive. How can that be? Would it help if I tried to rub it in in some harder way? or How about just being a thoughtful person? Would you dislike that one better? If I said, being a, just being a thoughtful person is the cause of being asleep. That's it. You would not be asleep if you were not a thoughtful person. And of course, as always, if I must, if I was writing that as a story, then someone says, so you're saying to be just a complete, unthinking, unreflective, beer-drinking, hard-headed, libertinian, <laughs> rattle-brained, empty-headed, run-of-the-mill shit-kicker would be to be awake. Is that what you're saying? The answer is no. See, that's always the answer. If you say, well, the, the cause of being asleep past a certain point is best described as being caused by the struggle to awaken. And then you can say, so if you didn't struggle to awaken, you'd be awake, right? And I say, well, no. So you can't do that. You're still picking and choosing. Are you still stuck with your own mind, which will forever pick and choose? Which to your mind, the only way it operates is 
quote, well, it's got to be one or the other. That alone should be the final word some of you hear as you fall off the edge into the abyss someday. Well, it's got to be one or the other. And suddenly you trip over and you realize, because I shouldn't be responding to that, but as you're falling down, you realize that that great truism is not true. Well, it's got to be one or the other. You're either awake or asleep. You either know what you're doing or you don't. There are things in life of which we should approve or else we just should ignore it. I mean, it's got to be one or the other. You either have to be thoughtful and reflective regarding what goes on in you. And if you say you don't, then you don't pay attention then. It's got to be one or the other. And when you're falling, you realize, no, it don't. Of course, then that gets sticky because if you were falling and thought, no, it don't, you would stop in midair and probably spring up on a metaphysical bungee cord and it'd take you back and you realize, I shouldn't have thought that. Well, I still personally loved the way I was insulted and assaulted by realizing that the cause of all confusion is introspection. Thoughtful, reflective introspection. Trying to figure things out. you got to start there, but I can tell you this. You'll never stop doing that. Or for those of you trying to keep track in some way. I was going to say, you got to realize you can't figure things out. But, I've already put it to you in another form. You can figure everything out except one thing. As far as I'm concerned, to my own dumb-witted, ordinary brain satisfaction, which covers, um, I know it covers everybody, the human collective intelligence. I quite well understand everything, or let me scratch that. I have figured everything out, even before I understood it. I had figured everything out, except one thing. And through great introspection, through a sincere studying of one's own inner life, one's own mental activity, one's own emotional ebbs and flows, I would say that a man can figure out and almost understand everything having to do with human life, except one thing. And if you're interested, I point again, to me, from my view, that is the difference between most of the famous, well, most of the mystics of which you have read or heard, and some few whose number I don't know, is the difference. Is it part of what makes, I guess, part of the credentials of a world-class, world-famous, well-known mystic is, he understands everything. I mean, you ask him. He's going to lose his world standing if he finally announces, by the way, there's one thing I still don't understand. Everyone's mind believes it can understand everything. Well, see, this is a more annoying. All forms of self-analysis are delusive. 
There is no such thing as accurate self-analysis. There is no such thing as truthful self-analysis. And, of course, the good one, there is no such thing as useful self-analysis. Well, we're in the dog days of summer or die inadvertently wander into the senility home for ex-mystics. It's good that I found you people in the prime of your senility. Well, at least I hope it is. I don't like to imagine it will get any worse. Well, let's try this one. Same thing, different overcoat. There is no distinction, and there cannot be any distinction, between a man's self and his circumstances. The man's self is the circumstances. All right. See, I was hoping if the one about introspection didn't get you, this one would. See, that can't be true. I mean, where the hell did I come up with this kind of shit? We all know better. That's the whole point of struggling to awaken, is it not? Is so that what you are is not dictated by goddamn circumstances. Get over it. Well, of course, if you believe that there is a difference between your ordinary sleeping self and an awakened self, or if you believe there's a difference between Buddha mind and everyday mind, then what I just said is farcical. But that is the very thing. In fact, I have used descriptions such as this. And I'm certainly not the first one by any means that's saying that the whole point or one that being asleep is that your mind, your personality, are you, according to how much you want to refine it, under ordinary conditions, routine men's mind, personality, self, life, is more or less dictated by circumstance. I mean, in that a man can swear, I'm going to control my temper. I have a horrible temper, and I'm, I, it's, it's, it's no good. I will stop displaying my temper. And while he's playing this, his kid comes up and says, Daddy, Daddy, and goes, get away, I'm thinking. We all know that. It's hardly worth bringing up. So then the comment is, well, there is the form of sleep. A would-be mystic with a limited range of experience and understanding could say, right there it is. That's the very thing we're struggling against because that example you just made up is a man's personality, his mind, his actual self, his being was captured, controlled, totally by circumstance. And as soon as the kid began to cry and go, ah, I just wanted to ask a question, the circumstance changed and the father went, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. And he began to pet that his personality, his self, seemed to instantly change due to a change in circumstances. Due to a change in what's outside of him. So the whole point has been described quite specifically by some in the past, and I have added my share to it. That the whole point, the struggle to awaken, is a struggle to extract yourself from being a total victim of circumstance. That an awakened man, all this kind of stuff, that an awakened man or an awakened mind does not respond to what goes on. That an enlightened man is not driven 
by the whims of fortune in the external world, that it matters not to him. He knows that it doesn't matter. He understands that praise, that if somebody praises him, it's no different. It has no more significance to him than someone cursing him. That who he is is not affected if he's rich or poor. That an awakened man understands all that. And the circumstances are irrelevant. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Except for this. I repeat, you've got no self that's separate from circumstances. And don't jump in and say, yeah, but that's what I'm trying to get over. I'm saying get over that. Or let me present it as a theory or a question. Can you consider the possibility that no one, including so-called awakened man, has a self that is not the equivalent of his circumstance? Can you get that one? Can you go that far? Can you see what I'm saying? And don't go, well, yeah, if I wasn't fully awake. No, 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 no. See, that's where I started that you won't get it if you still believe that there is a quantifiable difference between my old self now, my sleeping, my everyday self, self I was born with, and an awakened self. The difference between my old deluded mechanical mind and an awakened mind. Because it kind of mucks it up for me to say this in the middle because you either understand this or you don't. And if you do, the rest of this is meaningless anyway. And that is, you only have one mind. You only have one consciousness. But withstanding the possibility that anybody sitting here right this second fully understands that, then what I'm saying can be of use the way I'm describing it. A man's ordinary self is the same thing as circumstances. It just is. And it couldn't be easier to observe. And, of course, I'll add, it could not be easier to ignore. Or if you believe in self-delusion, self-deceit, it cannot be easier for a man to deceive himself about it. But it doesn't take any great mental shakes or any great metaphysical instruction or experience to simply see. It annoys the hell out of people, especially would-be mystics, to say the least. But to simply, at this late date, just don't add a bunch of conditions about how awake you are, how asleep you are. It's just, if you just simply look, just glance, you realize that yourself is the same thing as your circumstances. To believe that yourself is in any way separate from your circumstances is just insanity. We couldn't look for a greater example of being asleep and deluded. Because... <laughs> What I like to say is the mind can go, well, that's not true because just this afternoon somebody said something that I thought was insulting. I was in the line at the grocery store and somebody mumbled something. And, and at first I thought it was about me. And I was pretty sure because I was the only person in front of them. There's two people talking. And I was about to get upset. And suddenly, thank God, thank God for you know, having met you or read about Zen and Sufism. And the struggle to awaken, because there was a great opportunity. And instead of, the anger was already there. I was about to turn around. And if I hadn't turned around to make a face, at least in my mind, I would have. 
But there it was, about to take over my mind, if not my actions. And I went, no. Oh, here's a great chance. Circumstances, there they are, the kind of circumstances to make me react in a mechanical way. I won't do it. I'll struggle against it. Oh, so that self is separate from the circumstance. Huh? It says it is. And if you don't look, if you don't just simply look, it'll fool you. Because it says, well, the circumstances made me want to get mad. That's what the circumstances would have done. But in that I am constantly, as much as possible, on the alert for such as that, always attempting to stay awake, be more conscious, I realize that that comment I thought I heard made me want to get mad, and I struggled against it. I struggled against those circumstances wanting to raise my ire. I struggled against it. So it was not just my mechanical self. Okay, okay. But whatever self it was, you're saying was separate from the circumstance. Is it so hot that the wax figures are beginning to melt? Is that why? Well, I'll try this one. Some of you seem to like that. Last time we met, and I slipped it in again for you, I just said it extemporaneously last time. This is really annoying. I keep trying to say you on this. If the rest of it slid by you, by God, this should make you upset. It's realize that you don't realize that the energy, the effort, the activity in your head that required for you to struggle against useless mental activity, to struggle to try and produce a calm mind, it's the same kind of goddamn activity that you decide to struggle against. It upsets the mind. But if you don't watch, you go, yeah, but it's not just the mechanical stuff. I'm willfully now struggling against it. It's the same energy. It's the same activity. Which is another way, if you didn't get it, I'll back up again. I say that a man's self is the same thing as the circumstance. If you don't like to have the same thing, they're the same side of a coin, the same coin. They're Siamese twins, directly, sharing the same heart, sharing the same breathing. And if you don't watch it, your mind will say, all right, under ordinary sleeping mechanical conditions, you could be correct. I have seen that happen, your mind can say. Your mind can say, you're correct. If I am not trying to self-remember, be mindful, chant the name of Allah, do something, if I am not engaged in continual introspection, self-awareness, then circumstances. Someone can holler out a, an insult that is the circumstances in which I am at that moment, and it will make me immediately, my old sleeping self, my old sleeping self immediately wants to react in a very hostile, retaliatory manner. Just reacting as a sleeping man would. But I don't always do that. I don't always now, after years of struggle, says your mind, I don't always now mechanically and immediately react to such external circumstances. Because very often, praise be to Rumi or somebody, praise be, sometimes circumstances change in such a way that I immediately want to react in a sleeping manner. And I'll catch it before I do. 
and I'll struggle to suppress it. I've got my own little tricks. I got things I try to do if one works or if it doesn't. And I, so I, I suppress reacting to the circumstances. Well, what made you try and suppress it? Well, it was the guy made an insult. To pass it off that you're not asleep just because you're all tied up and untangled and trying to awaken, and you're saying, well, that doesn't count. I don't know what you think counts. Or to say, when I am struggling to awaken and not react to the circumstances, then myself at that moment is not the same as the circumstances. If I was asleep, then my old sleeping self, you're right. Is like it's tied to a pulley, to circumstances. Whatever happens outside of me, my old sleeping self just responds to in predictable, apparently programmed ways. But, says your mind, since I've undertaken to awaken, that doesn't happen all the time, praise be. Because sometimes circumstances will change in such a way that I want to react in a mechanical manner, and I'll catch myself and I'll struggle against reacting in that manner. Say what it is. The mind won't say, and I go ahead and I struggle still, I'm reacting to circumstances, but I call it something else and pretend I'm doing better. I could say that, well, pretend doesn't co cost anything except it's a lie. <laughs> well, if nobody's going to get irritated enough to be outraged and maybe wake up, I'm going to stop. Am I losing my touch? Or is everybody awake? Is everybody awake while seeing here with your eyes half closed? You're just so awake. I shouldn't do that. Because I'm always afraid that there's going to be some clunker here or some other city go, I wonder if he's right. If that's why I don't react as patient as I used to, is I actually woke up and I, hadn't, I just hadn't realized it yet. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, you think, well, I'm so awake that this just has no further meaning to me. That's it. Now we're getting somewhere. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com, where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest, or just leave us a message.